I'm Lucia. I'm Elena. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Elena, for the backup. (laughs) Hey, Elena. Hey, Lucia. How you doing? You know, I'm great. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, How... How was your week? Yeah, we got a lot of snow. I finally got outside yesterday, and um, I went for a walk with my significant other, and I uh, I thought it would be really fun if we fell backwards in the snow, and then uh, we got stuck <laughs> and couldn't get out, and he was wearing jeans, and then we had a fight. Oh, um, that's really cool. It's like a cute, like, it's like a meet cute, except that you guys have been dating for a while. Yeah. And then, and then we were upset. Oh, <laughs> uh, I fell, I fell into the snow, right? Like the first time it snowed in Chicago and it was like, or one of the first times and it was like perfect packing snow. Mm. Gray and I went and, um, fell in the snow and my pants got really wet, but I feel like it was, it was a, it was a really beautiful moment. It's, it's worth it. I really want to get snow pants. I've been trying to find snow pants, but I haven't found any that are affordable and they're all um, getting sold out right now. My friend got snow pants on ebay and they looked really good Ooh, and i don't think they were very idea. expensive because they originally looked on amazon and amazon it was like 80 dollars or something and then they looked on ebay and it was much cheaper that's so. a really good idea i'll do that because i want to go um i realized this year I've, I've never been skiing or snowboarding and my goal is to learn how to snowboard um that'd be very cool yeah because i'm afraid of skateboarding because it it you can hurt yourself really easily. So I you feel can like also snowboard. hurt yourself snowboarding. Snowboarding, you can really hurt yourself. Oh, God. Not like as much, I guess. I don't know. Like you could really face plant or something. That's I, true. My, um, my brother had a snowboard when we were growing up and he would make all these ramps and stuff. Um, and I never, I feel like I never, I maybe tried to snowboard like once or twice and I was really bad at it. And even before we got to the ramp, I like fell over. <laughs> so, so that's my experience with with snowboarding yeah i've never skied or snowboarded and i feel like it would help me enjoy winter more yeah i feel like also what would help would be if we weren't in a pandemic and we could uh, yes. and do stuff with our friends in the snow <laughs> uh like i love skiing i i know how to ski and it is really fun but i i don't want to go to a ski resort <laughs> that's true so yeah that's fine anyway what's big this week that we didn't experience, but a snow whole other is part snow of the, related. Snow related. A whole other part of the country experienced was in Texas, and that is what is going to be our first um, part of this episode. We're both going to talk about Texas. Um, Lucia is going to start off first to talk about the blackouts, and then I'm going to um, keep going and talk a little bit about um, some of the water issues that have been going on in Texas. So, yeah, really big deal. I'm sure um, you whoever's listening to this has heard about it it's it's really nasty so um Lisha do you want to start yes I actually learned a lot from looking this up because I I I learned a little bit the daily did a pretty pretty good episode explaining like how um climate change is connected to the Texas blackouts um as we all as many of us know in the United States um on Sunday Texas got so much snow most of the United States got a ton of snow and then um most of Texas had really 
intense blackouts that lasted through Monday. Some people I think are like just getting their power back. So people like for a good part of the week didn't have any electricity or uh, heat or running water, which Elena will talk about. Um, And it's really interesting because Texas, so most of the United States is connected on a power grid um, in like subsections of the United States and Texas is fully on its own power grid. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you know why that is? Because they have, this is how it was explained on the daily because they, it's such a big state and they procure so much of their own. They procure so much electricity and energy that on they don't own. really need to be yeah. on a connected grid because they generate so much and like use an equal amount. Okay. So the article where I got my information was from scientific American is called why the deep freeze caused Texas to lose power. And it's really interesting. So on Sunday, the storm hit Texas. So Sunday, the, what was it? The eight, no, the 16th, the 15th. Oh, it's so this all happened just a week ago. Yeah. yeah a four, week from the today. 14th. 14. Um, so huge storm hit Texas and power plants started to lose power between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. on Monday. And so wind generation fell by 32 percent in Texas. Coal dropped 13 percent and natural gas generation, which is the main thing powering um, Texas's grid, plummeted 25 percent over that um, six hour period. Um, and so then millions of people didn't have power by Monday morning. And so what's important to understand is different parts of the United States also temporarily lost power, but Texas is the place where they lost the most power for the longest period of time. And that is because they are disconnected from these other power grids. So there's, um, I didn't know this. So there are these different pools of power. Um, so there's the Southwest power pool, which is a 14 state electricity system that goes from North Texas to the Canadian border. Um, and they had even colder temperatures in Texas than Texas, but their coal and gas, um, output actually increased and, um, they were able to get back their power and then there's um so that's the southwest power pool ssp and then there's the mid-continent 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 independent system operator miso yum yum um umami and um that's a 15 state system going from louisiana to the canadian province of manitoba and it was similar situation as ssp is like they temporarily lost power but then it you know, it wasn't like an, um, an emergency crisis. So, so most of the, like I said, most of the U S is connected on a power grid, but Texas is on its own. And, um, and it started because, so there are a variety of reasons they've had such long blackouts. Um, so there's an organization called the electric reliability council of Texas, and they had to sustain forced blackouts, um, because, um, Texas is a lot more reliant on gas for electricity generation than neighboring states. Um, and other states use more coal than Texas. So in Texas, gas is also used for heating. So because it's used for electricity and heating during a massive power challenge, like just happened, if the gas goes out, then people lose like 0.1% 
pretty much everything in their house. They lose their heat, yeah. their electricity. Um, I'm guessing it's connected to water somehow. And um, man, yeah, many gas wells also produce water and distillates, um, which mm-hmm. can freeze during cold weather. So um, other states have a more diversified mix of power sources and just relying on gas for the most part is a danger. Like they, there are some other power sources used in the state. Like it's also, you know, a huge um, oil producer, but uh, for the most part it's gas. Um, Because it was so cold, people were using way more electricity than they normally would. Um, So the North American Electric Reliability Corporation predicted that the winter demand um, for electricity in Texas would peak around 67 gigawatts in an extreme weather event. And uh, the demand was actually 75 gigawatts on Tuesday morning. So there was just like way more uh, power being demanded and um, and a bunch of plants just went out because of the extreme weather. And, um, and some, like, were already offline, I guess, for scheduled maintenance. So the plants just, like, went out. There wasn't power coming in to the grid. And then Texas just wasn't prepared. So this is what was really interesting that I didn't know. So many power plants in the south are outdoors, and they're and that means their boilers and turbines are exposed to the cold, which makes them more vulnerable to freezing. And mm-hmm. um, in the Great Plains in the Midwest, um, most plants are enclosed because they have to perform in cold w- weather conditions. So, um, so they're not like exposed to the cold. Um, and so unprecedented cold weather, like usually this wouldn't be a problem for Texas because it is so warm, but in a super unprecedented cold spell, it's super hard on the infrastructure and, um, can freeze everything. So, um, this just creates like a really interesting conversation for future design planning and like infrastructure in general sort of has to be rethought for extreme weather events because like all the infrastructure in the United States wasn't created for extreme weather events. Like our cities weren't really built for that. Like that's a similar issue with flooding. Like most sewer systems and cities weren't designed for the type of, um, like downpours that we're going to be seeing in the future and, um, and that we're seeing right now. And so, um, so yeah, like as we think about decarbonizing the electric grid, uh, they're going to have to think about how to adapt those designs for extreme weather events. Um, Republicans, Mm -hmm. a lot of Republicans were blaming this on like wind turbines. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also they barely get any of their power from wind. Like most, what is mostly responsible for this is coal and fossil fuels. And also the fact that they're on their own, they're just on their own power grid. Like, and it's just the fact that they, that conservatives and the Republican party are deciding to use this chance to blame the green new deal and um renewable energy is it's mind-boggling to me that they that they would reach that they would i feel like i'm voiceless (laughs) i like can't even (laughs) i like can't even explain how angry that makes me that they would blame something that that has nothing to do with it but and that people will believe it probably so um people already talking about like oh it was the it was the windmills it was it was the green new deal which doesn't exist (laughs) which doesn't exist yeah so it's just like 
anyway that was my small yeah. tangent that just makes me mad <laughs> i know so yeah that was really interesting i didn't realize plants like were built with um, many of their parts outside which seems yeah. um sort of silly and yeah yeah and so that's about it um what was a repercussion so what happened with the water yeah So what was a repercussion of this power outage is that um, they halted water treatment plants and they um, decreased water pressure, water pressure and distribution centers. Um, And they also froze pipes. So um, a lot of people's piping just like froze for a very long time and then burst. So people just weren't getting water. So either people had no water at all or they had very, very low pressure. But the thing with... um, having and this is millions millions of texans not having water yeah um but so the thing with like low pressure is that um we our water is delivered to us through these um for the most part through these pipelines that go underneath the ground and a lot of them are very they're very old um they maybe have dents and bruises and um, cuts in them, but because the Whoa. water pressure is so strong, um, it none none of the stuff that's on the outside of these pipes, like groundwater, can seep in because the water pressure just pushes it out. Um, but when the water pressure decreases because of um, power, the power outages and things like that, then that that groundwater that's surrounding. Um, the pipelines can trickle in and this groundwater is not going to be very clean. It's It could be contaminated with pesticides. Um, it can be contaminated with um, organic chemicals, um, toxins, things like that. So that stuff's going to start getting into the water supply, which is why a lot of places in Texas, a lot of cities, towns, counties uh, put up a boil water notice so um Hmm. to get rid of the contaminants in their water and that's even so that's for the people who even were getting water so they were filling up pots and boiling it and i think they had to boil their water for uh five minutes um the cdc has a whole guideline list about like exactly how you should be doing this so you should be boiling all your water and that's including like brushing your teeth and things like that you don't want to be ingesting any of it because it could have all these contaminants in it so a lot of texan were suddenly stuck with this with um with lack of water or or having to boil water um Hmm. and so but this was also an issue now i'm in the hospitals because some hospitals um not only were the low pressure was an issue for them getting water but then also some of them used water to heat they had a boiler to heat their buildings and so then the boiler which had lack of water from water pressure suddenly these buildings were getting heated so then hmm. there was this mass um movement of hospitals trying to get their patients to other hospitals but most of the hospitals were full capacity and it was just a very very a large mess. mess yes it was a huge mess and um right now it looks like as lucia said some people are getting their um their uh, power back and some people are also um being able to drink their water so the boiling water notice has gone down for some people but for all last week it was like a really big issue i in um on wednesday afternoon around 590 public water systems and for 141 counties had disruptions in service so 590 Whoa. public water systems and that's just like all over texas um and these disruptions um impacted 12 million people uh so just yeah so it's it's interesting it's devastating 
obviously, but it's also just interesting that like something like a blackout can impact everything so quickly. So now people not only don't have heat are trying to stay warm. Um, like some people like ice was coming into their home. Uh, people were dying because of the storm or because they were accidentally were killing themselves trying to stay warm. And um, now they also don't have water. So, um, yeah, not a great week in Texas. <laughs> yeah, dang. I saw a photo of a guy I know who lives in Austin, um, and he was heating up snow yeah. as water. Yeah, I saw I saw that as well. Um, I saw something of somebody who was just so crazy, was just ice hanging from people's um, ceiling fans. Um, just long icicles. Oh my gosh! And like inside their apartments and homes, uh, people were escaping to like other states, uh, driving as far as they could. And as you know, in the case of um, you know weather disasters like this and natural disasters, the people who um, have the resources and the money are going to be able to survive. Um, yeah. Or hopefully they can leave the state or they can find other ways to places to go. Maybe they have generators, things like that. But then um, lower income communities are always going to be the ones that are most impacted by all of this. So um, I just, I can't get over this idea of like people not having any water really suddenly. Like there was no reason for them to think that they had to prepare for that. And then everyone like rushing to grocery stores to try to just buy water because they can't drink the water because it's, because it could be poisonous yeah Uh, i don't think i just yeah i just it's very very upsetting that texas is so ill prepared for this and um, like in a pandemic that is so stressful yeah and if you have kids like imagining like just trying to get water for your kids and like get them to bed yeah and like when it's really cold um when i was a kid I, I'm from I'm from Iowa. When I was a kid, we had a power outage for like four days in our house, and um, I remember like the first two days we like all just slept in my parents' room with like tons of blankets on us and like Aww. trying to stay warm because it was it was from a winter storm. But then eventually we just like drove out of our county, which was having the issues, to another county where we had like family friends and we were able to just stay over at their house and like uh, be warm and safe and everything and. Uh, I think about that time and then I think about people who don't have friends in another county or or maybe and that if there <laughs> literally wasn't another county right. to go to right yeah. and that it was for a full week like just it's very yeah very upsetting and yeah. um, this stuff's gonna just happen more frequently so yeah I mean or you could just go to Mexico like Ted Cruz god <laughs> That's what just it was so upsetting overall, not just Ted Cruz going on vacation, but <laughs> that, I mean, just imagining him in a swimsuit um, oh, was upsetting. So JK, upsetting. I'm going to get canceled for fat shaming Ted Cruz. But um, <laughs> okay. but that like all the Congress people were on vacation. Yeah, they should not be allowed to go on vacation right now. I just. Give me and my we don't stimulus even, check, yeah, and then that's, you can I go feel on like vacation. If, if you want to, like, us to go on a tangent right now, but, like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, we haven't gotten stimuli. We had two checks, one of them $600, and the other one from a year ago, so. 
uh, okay, um, we live in the worst country. <laughs> uh, and Lucia, um, that is just to point out that we can never leave the Great Lakes. <laughs> we can never leave the basin. I was feeling grateful this week. I was like, yes, uh, it can be miserable here in the winter. Yes, it was like eight degrees all last week. But I do feel grateful that our infrastructure is most, for the most part, prepared for extreme weather. Yeah. Um, there is a hole in my ceiling right now that it's dripping lots of water onto our kitchen floor. But overall, I feel like... <laughs> Sounds like a landlord issue. <laughs> yeah, it happened two years ago, too. Oh, my they, gosh. It doesn't... It's mostly infrastructure. Is, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, we have heating, so <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, that was Texas, and that was Texas. That's an ongoing issue, so uh, keep an eye on it. And there's a lot of resources uh, you can um, fund. So think about doing yeah. that as well. Mutual, lots of mutual aid. Yeah. Um, Especially even if you're far away, if you're not in Texas, some other state, you can still help. Yeah. I I didn't really know much about mutual aid until this week. Um, and it was really interesting to learn the difference between mutual aid and charity because charity exists like within a power structure yeah. where rich people are like choosing how to help yeah. poor people. And mutual aid is like an egalitarian way to redistribute wealth. Um. Did you ever take that test that uh, was like deciding where you were on the political spectrum? No. Um, I took it, and one of the questions was like, "What do you prefer, like charity or social programs?" And I was like, huh. <laughs> "Like, just obviously social programs." But um, you know, I guess it made me just think about how charity is just like rich people deciding, like where the money goes, how where like how much of it should go yeah. where, like. There's just so much imbalance there. <laughs> it's very elitist. And I had never really thought about that. Yeah. Until now. Until Thank you, Texas. Now. Um, Lucia, do you want to give us your rose? I do. I feel like I've, so I think I have sort of covered this maybe previously, but mm-hmm. so this is about Biden's 30 by 30 plan. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a concept that has been talked about like all over the world and it's um it's a very popular plan right now so this is from the guardian the articles america send us your ideas biden pledges to protect 30 percent of u.s lands by 2030 um so his first after his first during his first week in office biden pledged to preserve 30 percent of u.s lands and waters by 2030 um and this is a conservation plan which is interesting i work in conservation and what i've learned is conservatives really love donating to conservation organizations interesting and um why do you think um, cause it's like a non political, um, it's like a non political environmentalism. Um, and I, I, there's like many reasons for it, I think, but, um, that's interesting. It's like people who don't really seem to notice like pollution in the community, but they are for saving a turtle. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, 
the I'm reading about the history of the conservation movement right now, and it was started by like rich white people, and um, and it's interesting because like a lot of awareness, early awareness of public lands and like wanting to conserve land was um, elites leaving cities Mm. or like temporarily leaving them for vacation to get away from the poor people basically. And, and that like introduced them to these like larger swaths of land outside of cities. Um, and so, yeah, I think, cause like, you know, everyone does love nature and, um, well, not everybody, not every, but like most people I think enjoy like being in a beautiful landscape yeah and so it's like you know it's um yeah it's just land preservation i don't know it's um often elite conservatives are landowners and um and so there are things they can do called conservation easements where like their property is preserved or like held in a land trust um, so that it can't be developed, but it's like still owned by their family mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So like land, I think it's very connected to land ownership and um, obviously like public lands aren't, uh, aren't like privately owned. Um, but I, I think it's like a non-political environmentalism, basically, mm-hmm. which I don't think is necessarily correct. Like we have to preserve land and address pollution and environmental injustice and things like that. But um, yeah, the good thing about that is that this plan has bipartisan support. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a study done and it showed that like 77% of people in the United States, I mean, obviously not everyone was polled, but like 77% of people polled um, were in favor of this. So that's cool. So right now only 12% of U.S. lands are permanently protected um, and only 23% of coastal waters are protected. So to reach the goal of protecting 30% by 2030, the U.S. would need to conserve 400 million acres of land and water in 10 years, which is super ambitious. Um, And yeah, it's just super ambitious and we'll see what happens. Um, I have faith. I think it'd be cool. Uh, So they're saying that where Biden is going to start is by like undoing a lot of Trump's um, reversals on protections. So, uh, Trump like removed protections from a lot of national monuments. So um, they're saying it's like one of the first places to get protected is probably going to be Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante. I don't know where that is, but um, Trump slash protections of that place in 2017. Um, and some other places are 80,000 acres of Big Sky Country in Montana and 1.3 million acres of the Mojave Desert mm-hmm. um, and places in Mon- Nevada. And there's a proposal for California to save 250,000 acres of river, river rapids. Sorry, I was burped. And redwood groves. Um, and yeah, like mountain ranges in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, millions of acres of additional protected landscapes would need to emerge in the next 10 years. 
So um, mountain ranges like the Appalachians and Blue Ridge Mountains and like wide swaths of prairie land and the Great Plains would all need to be protected to be able to meet this. Mm -hmm. Um, And environmentalists would want to push Biden to use the Antiquities Act, which allows presidents to set aside nationally significant lands and waters for permanent protection. Um, And one reason environmental organizations are excited about this is because it also calls for like ground up protection. So like there would be a lot of federal protections, but then like local, there needs to be local work to protect, um, to protect places. And there are places in uh, the Chicago land region, like Midewin National Tallgrass Prairie that is protected. So yeah, it's, uh, it's ambitious, but it's very ambitious. Um, and it demands that federal and state government would work alongside local stakeholders and private farmers and ranchers and urban communities and tribal nations. Um, like, but I it's, I feel like whenever they're like state, the state needs to work with the, the state needs to work with the nation. Like I just, I feel like <laughs> states are like, so like they vary so much about like what they would want to do with this, with this, um, uh, with this thing. So I, I don't know. I always get like very doubtful when they're like, like maybe a conservative run state is not going to do as much as like a, a different state, but I yeah, I wouldn't say the United States is known for its collaborative You're right. uh, yeah. spirit, <laughs> but I hope it is. I, I have, I'm excited that like this is a plan that has a lot of bipartisan support. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my good news. Um, great. Uh, so my good news is um, also legislation and work but it's being done at the state level what i just which i just shit on um but uh in minnesota they earlier this month they just announced this multi-step strategy to address pfas contamination in the environment and a couple episodes ago i also talked about pfas but in china Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was disturbing it was really disturbing, but um, now it's in uh, Minnesota, and it's been in Minnesota and across the United States for a long time, uh, and now Minnesota officials are looking to, like, actually do something about it. So um, PFAs, which, again, I talked about before, they um, kind of uh, can be found in, like, plastics, or they can be found in p- fabrics, um, they can be found, oh, in, like, water repellent um clothing um objects things like that they Mm. found in firefighting uh foams that can also have pfas and um often when pfas are used in um, production these pfas uh, can find their way into the environment whether into the air or into the water and pfas are not good for you uh so they can cause like kidney and testicular cancer thyroid disease liver damage just a lot of different um sort of increased risks if you start ingesting PFAs. So um, Minnesota uh, is looking kind of at like the three different goals um, to prevent PFAs pollution. So like, you know, kind of getting companies to stop using PFAs um, Mm -hmm. to manage sources that are already have occurring PFAs. So kind of looking around, seeing what companies are using them, um, trying to manage it more and then cleaning up all the contamination that they already have. and so uh, they're also called the for- forever chemicals and it's because they kind of just like stay in the environment and in our bodies for Ugh. a really long time, 
which is great. Um, so yeah, I think like it's pretty speaks for itself. It's, I think it's, um, uh, it's a really great plan that they have in order. Uh, they call it their, um, PFA, their PFA's blueprint. And, um, they're all, oh yeah, and they're also trying to get the PFAs onto the hazardous substance list, which is not already on. Um, God. <laughs> which is really, which, yeah, like a lot, it, for most states, or maybe even all states, it's like not by law on the hazardous oh list. Uh, so they're trying to get it on there um, legally. And Take me away from this place. <laughs> um, but if they if they can get it on there legally, then it's going to be so much easier to deal with it. Because like yeah. right now, it's tons of loopholes for things that aren't on the hazardous list. So, um, And the hazardous list includes things like lead, arsenic, like different acids, like things that are really bad for you health-wise and for the environment. So... We gotta gotta get that on there, um, because then um, if they can be on this list, then also the state will get more funding uh, for cleanup due to a policy called polluters pay provision, which mm-hmm. pretty much just requires people who cause the pollution to pay for the damages. Which right now is like, which oh is God. also crazy that like companies that pollute a lot don't have to pay for it. There's a lot of like loopholes again, so. They're trying to get it on this list. Um, and yeah, I, I'm i really happy that this is happening. Minnesota has had a lot of issues with PFAs. And hmm. they had this massive case of, um, you know, the company 3M? Mm-mm. No. They're based in Minnesota. They, for years, were manufacturing with PFAs and just, like, dumping it into these... Um, into these landfill areas and um it was like seeping into the water oh, and God. um they just finished and you up can't like, get it out yeah and it's they finished up a massive lawsuit for that uh they found elevated levels in fish in um washington county minnesota and um yeah it's it's kind of just been a lot of cases up it so finally they're trying to tackle it themselves and I think it sounds it sounds bold. I feel like both are, both the things we're talking about sound bold. Yeah. Um, but but they need to happen. They need to happen, and it's nice to see that that these states are trying to start doing to start addressing this stuff. Um, are PFAs banned in Europe? I think I think so. Let's let's Google it. Um. Or maybe there's more restrictions around them. Denmark was the first country to ban PFAs in 2019. Wow, that's actually super recent. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like Europe is moving to ban PFAs. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating because I was I was just talking to my dad about this about um, nitrate pollution from fertilizers and how. All the science, science in general is like, don't use this stuff. It's bad, 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 bad for the environment. It's bad for our health. And it's people keep using it. And nobody really but does But I need sweat-resistant <laughs> tank tops. Um, yeah, I read that, you know that um, Gore-Tex that, yeah. like, is really expensive? Oh, no, that ha- Gore-Tex. It ha- unless they've changed <sighs> recently. I read that Gore-Tex has PFAs. <sighs> God. But, so don't eat your Gore-Tex, I guess. <laughs> and don't throw yeah, it in a pretty, landfill. <laughs> it's pretty wild that, like, if we... I wonder if we tested our blood how much P- 
PFA would come up. It's disturbing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a good point. It's like the same with like nitrates and that. If you grow up in rural areas across the country, like there's a chance that you could have elevated nitrates in your water supply and you could have had it for a very long time and it you wouldn't have known. So Jeez Louise. Check your water. I okay, I went online to look up water testing kits and they're expensive and it made me upset. <laughs> yeah, that's messed up. I really wanna get there's like a fancy water filter called a Berkey filter and it uses charcoal. Um it uses like charcoal i don't know fully understand how it works but basically it uses charcoal to filter it and oh. it, it's a super filter and i really want it because i'm pretty freaked out <laughs> uh yeah the what i guess the one thing that i have learned in the past couple years from studying um environmental issues and stuff is that i am just never gonna trust any place that i am <laughs> No, uh, I never gonna trust the water supply. I'm never gonna trust never the air know. that the I breathe. The world is no longer safe for us. <laughs> um, I'll never, I'll never assume that my heating is gonna always work. So no, uh, that's why you just gotta do the Wim Hof method. Breathe through. I'm actually gonna start jumping in Lake Michigan at sunrise with a group of six year old women. To wait, what? Um, I'm not even kidding. My friend goes to uh, a location in Chicago where a bunch of like six year old women meet to go in Lake Michigan at sunrise. Um, to jump into it, the like, water. Yeah, during the winter. Well, all oh. year round, and it like oh, makes okay. your body adapt to the cold. And I'm about to do it. That sounds terrible. <laughs> why would you do that <laughs> i just need to feel i need to feel something um that's a that's a new year's eve thing or new year's day thing for yeah the polar the yeah. polar plunge. gray gray's done that a few times with his family really? yeah because he's his family's from wisconsin and so classic they would jump into the water and it sounds really cold and i would never do that <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely refreshing it's definitely uh painful but you know um, I don't drink, so I need something. Yeah, some sort of vice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hanging out with 80-year-old women or whatever. Yeah, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, I believe in you. Um, but yeah, that was my uh, that was my rose. I thought that was pretty good news to see that they're that Minnesota's trying to do something about it. Whether or not yeah. it's going to succeed is up in the air, but we can have faith. Thingy, thingies crossed. Pinkies crossed. Um, great. Cool. Well, this cool. is a little Sunday episode. A little Sunday treat. A little Sunday treat. Nah, don't and mind I'm going to go eat a Sunday treat. Ooh. I had, I had Culver's yesterday. Ooh. And I'm trying to do a thing where I eat healthier, except for like mm. one day a week when I like let myself 80, eat. 80-20 rule. 80-20 rule. What is that? It's like... You know, eat healthy eighty percent of the time, splurge twenty. It's dumb. Yeah, um, it makes sense, but no one's actually calculating eighty twenty. Um, it's what yeah. celebrities like to say. They're like, I'm mostly plant based, but you know, Every eighty twenty, eighty. I love my rosé. I love a little chardonnay on the weekends. A little wine. I hate those a little people. wine in my cloth <laughs> bathtub that's wrapped in gold. I read somewhere. I don't even know if I read it. I think I just overheard it. That was like in 
in Italy and in France, like the women only eat carbohydrates in the on the weekends and on the weeks they like eat just like the the healthiest veggies and stuff. And I was it's like, disordered eating. That's not true. Yeah, and also carbs come in various forms and they're not yeah. all bad. So vegetables are carbs, okay? Yeah, I don't think people realize that no. also i so i i did a i think women in europe just have i mean i think there's like a globalized eating disorder now because there's celebrity culture everywhere yeah. and capitalism but i think just in general like people in europe have a healthier relationship to food i think so and also their food is generally well i guess it yeah. depends where you are in europe um but i know like the mediterranean diet is like considered a very very healthy diet um yeah. but like I've, I've spoken to, like, several medical experts in the past few months for um, work as a health reporter, and all of all of them are just like, don't you dare do one of those, like, fast-ass diets where you, like, lose a bunch of weight really fast because you'll gain it and more. Uh, they're like, everything you should do with your diet is just, like, manageable, so you can do it forever. Because like, yeah. <laughs> doing it just for a few weeks is not going to be beneficial, and crash diets will make you feel really bad listen if women ate as much as we were capable of we would be president <laughs> by now and i stand by that if the women tweet didn't do world. very well when i tweeted that but <laughs> i think it deserved more okay uh, yeah if women run the world things would be different lucia it's true it true um Great. Well, that's our episode for the week. We're both going to go eat some treats. We're both going to eat some treats. Eat what you want this week, guys. Yeah. Eat, eat a brownie. Or if you don't like chocolate, eat a, eat a sucker. Eat a sucker. Eat a dum-dum. Eat dum <laughs> Don't eat it. Don't eat don't it. You can hurt your it. teeth. Don't. Eat an old Tootsie Roll that you found at the bottom of your backpack that you're pretty sure got there two years ago. She did find a chocolate from like several months ago, and I was like, "Should I eat this? Maybe. Do maybe, it. I'll, maybe I'll save it for a rainy day. <laughs> save it a few more years. Yeah. Okay. All well, thanks right. for listening. Like and subscribe. Rate and review. And um, yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye.